It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into this edition of the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, along with Jed Demusi, Local 12 sports producer, anchor, and reporter. As the Bengals get set to take on the Buffalo Bills, the last game before the bye week, we'll look back at the win over Cleveland, look ahead to this game at Buffalo, and of course, at the very end, stick around. Because we've been so good at this so We're gonna far. We're going to get it right this week. Our three-team right teaser, <laughs> in which I've gotten, I got two right the first week, right? And then one right the next week. And yep. you went one the first week, two the next week. Correct. Carolina got you this past week. And I told you it was going to happen. But, yeah. you know, I'm so smart that I did so well on mine. So, right, there right. you go. All right, uh, we'll have that at the end. So, for those of you that are degenerates like we are, you can stick around for, for that. Or you can fast forward to that as you're listening to this podcast, if that's all you're you're here to listen for. But we've got a lot of Bengals ground to cover. Um, and let's start with the win over Cleveland. Jed, it, it, it is easy to point and, and, and say how bad Cleveland is because they are really, really bad. Deshaun Kaiser is an inaccurate passer. They don't catch the ball. The defensive scheme is very strange, very odd. Um, they're okay on defense, but playing a safety 65 yards down the field um, and basically taking one guy out of the play every play is a little is a little odd to me. I, let's say they are a bad football team, but the yeah. Bengals did what you need to do to a bad football team, and that is they really quite manhandled them in that game. Yeah, I read somewhere that Jabril Peppers picked number 22 because it's an easy reminder of how many yards he needs to line up off the line. <laughs> no, it's that's about right. Probably on yeah. average, that's probably yeah. where he is lined. Where, how, how many? Oh, 22. Okay, that's my number. I'll line up 22 yards off the off the line of scrimmage. The defensive scheme is unbelievable, and you know, Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator, once regarded as a as a genius at, at that position or self regarded. Uh, he, he, yeah, he regards yeah. himself as a genius. Yeah, he. I I don't know really how he keeps getting work because they've really. I mean, he he had, and I know I know that that Jeff Fisher has his issues too. But when you have a defense with Aaron Donald on it, and that defense was as bad as it was last year for the Rams, I don't know how you keep getting. I mean, he had some talented guys on that Rams defense, and and. They're bad. The Browns are bad. The fact that Kenny Britt remains on the field is terrible. They don't have anybody else to play, and that's why Kenny Britt is there. Who, who's the guy I'm drawing by? They, they, they literally signed a guy off the couch um, from week two who actually played in Indy, made a one-handed catch. Was it, uh, Ricardo, it wasn't Ricardo Lewis. Anyway, it may have been, yeah. It maybe it was, but yeah, they had a guy. That's how desperate they were at that position group. Yeah, they're, they're desperate. They're spread way too thin. They... When it, when a team executes a third and sixteen that Tyler Croft play, so when Tyler Croft nothing against Tyler Croft, but he carved them up. I mean, he just completely carved them up, and I think he's got a chance, and he showed that he has potential to be a, a very special player if he keeps at it. But he in no way, shape, or form should should have done what he did to that defense. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Andy Dalton though, back to back weeks to put together pretty good performances. I know. Look, he missed Brandon LaFell in the Packer game. Uh, we've talked about the, the bad grounding he took, the, the bad sack he took. But overall, last two weeks, passer rating of 138.1 in the two games combined. Um, is, is it a product of Bill Lazor kind of helping him out? Is it a product of Green Bay? Let's face it, was nicked up a little bit defensively when the Bengals played them. We just talked about how bad the Browns' defense is or, or a combination. I, I, I happen to think it is a little common. I think Bill Lazor has simplified some things for him. I also think that, look, he's like a lot of quarterbacks in the league. You have a bad game. He had an awful game the first game. Second game, everybody wants to lump into the first game. Second game wasn't quite as awful. It wasn't great, but it wasn't awful, epically awful. In the last two games, he's performed extremely well. And he's done. if you look at his career, 
that's kind of how it's going. And it probably, truth be told, that's that way for most quarterbacks of his tier in this league. You will have a clunker now and again. Or, again, how much of this maybe is Bill Lazor? Just a different voice, different eyes, different play call, different rhythm, all those things. I, 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 I think if you're a Bengals fan, it doesn't really matter. I, 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 think, I think when you look at what Lazor has done, the offense looks a lot simpler. It, there isn't as much guesswork for Andy Dalton. I think some of the guys, not, I mean, on, the, on the first touchdown to A.J. Green, you saw Andre Smith motioning over Tyler Croft to bring him in on protection. I mean, it, you the, the offensive lineman. It, well, Andy called. Yeah, Andy. Checked Andy it. called Andy, it. Andy, Andy, checked, that, Andy yeah. checked it. But it, it looks like the communication is, you know, if Andy checks and Croft isn't moving, Correct. a guy like Andre no, Smith is saying, right. "Hey, come on over here," or whatever. So it's it's a little more simplified. Because just for people, they, they ended up blitzing right. off the corner, blitzing off the slot. Who was covering AJ Green? It forced Jabril Peppers to pick him up man to man. AJ beat him on a, just a simple corner route right off the line of scrimmage. It was a perfect check. You're right. Perfect change to protection. Perfect call at the perfect time. So it's 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 just something where he he feels a little more comfortable. And whether it's against the Browns or whoever it's against, these are calls that he's going to need to make in terms of pre-snap reads. The, those are some of the things that that bothered him in 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 the past, in earlier this year. So I think And that's what he's been he's been lauded for being very good at. I mean Hugh Jackson even made a point after the game of of that play you're talking about of of, of how he thought Andy checked into that play and that's what Andy's good at is those pre read pre read checks. Didn't seem like he was doing that a lot under Zampezi or maybe doing it well for whatever the reason would be. And it you know, it, it's it, it's maybe a question only Andy can answer is was this offense too complicated? He'll never say it. Right. He'll never come out and say it. But there, there is something to be said for an offense where you can acknowledge what you're about to see and change the play as opposed to figuring out what your progression needs to be instead of what it should have been and not calling a different play. So it, it can get more convoluted if you stand up there and say, okay, this guy's blitzing, but I'm still going to run this play as opposed to, okay, let's, let's back out of that. Let's make a quick Let's make a quick adjustment and do something different, and that's that's what Andy has been doing. Not just on that play in particular, but he's been able to find guys, whether it's Gio Bernard, whether it's AJ Green, whether it's Tyler Croft. He's been able to identify the best route on every on every play and execute those plays, Browns or otherwise. He's been able he's been able to get that done. Yeah, and talked to Gio Bernard after the game, and, and we were talking about the screen pass, and, and he actually brought this part up on his own. I was just asking him what he saw. Uh, and everything, and he he brought up the point of you know earlier in the game we used the same play it didn't work, and he said I appreciate Coach Laser going back to that play and and not throwing it away, and he said unlike other coordinators who will throw a play away that didn't work, he went back to it. It was a not even a thinly veiled shot. I don't think at Ken Zampezi. I think it was a, a an absolute shot at, at at some of that. And he's not the only coordinator that does that. There are a lot of coordinators that play doesn't work. They're not coming back to it, and maybe that's a little refreshing. Is look, we thought we had it, and if you remember the play, Andy ended up basically throwing the ball away because Gio got right. caught up in the wash and he couldn't get out fast enough because, believe it or not, that play, from a blocking perspective, was set up perfectly. That would have executed. I'm guessing that he fouled that away and said, all right, let's run it another time. If this time Gio gets out, it's going to work. You don't see 61-yard screens work in the NFL for touchdown. They don't work for 61-yard plays like that very often. They obviously called it the right time. It was executed perfectly, and the fact that he went back to it. Well, and I think, again, that's a – what Gio said is fans hate that. Players hate that when they know something can work, and just because it didn't work that one time, you never go back to it. Bill Lazor identified 
what does Greg Williams like to do? He likes to blitz his freaking face off. And if you're going to complete a 61-yard screen for a touchdown in the NFL, it's going to be against a team that's very blitz-happy, and that's exactly what happened. There were so many guys that were getting at the quarterback unimpeded because some of the offensive linemen came out to, to block for Geo. There was just a, a vacuum of, of, of people there, a vacuum in the factory of sadness. But, you know, acknowledging, figuring out a defensive coordinator's tendencies – and trying to keep pressing that button and going to it, even when plays don't work, is, is a... If Ken Zampezi wasn't doing it, then it's a good thing that he's gone because that seems pretty basic to me. But maybe basic is what this offense needed after after Zampezi the past year and change or whatever it was. So it's there's nothing wrong with dumbing things down, and maybe that's the wrong term for it, but there's nothing wrong with identifying another team's strengths, what they like to do, and, and making them work for you. Now, for the Bengals, one thing that's not working is the running game. And, and whether it was Ken Zampezi, whether it's been Bill Lazor, um, it has not gotten jump-started. I think you can point a big finger at the offensive line. It, it's Sometimes it's a matter of getting manhandled. Um, this is an offense that, that's averaging 3.3 yards per rush. And if you took Andy Dalton out of the equation, it's far worse than that. Um, Sunday, the running backs were 26 carries for 57 yards. Um, overall, they were 30 for 86, but you take Dalton out of the mix, four scrambles for 29 yards. The running back's 26 for 57. And I, I don't know if there's an easy answer to this other than you just got to block better. I, I don't think it's a play call. I don't think it's – you look at Joe Mixon, he's averaging 2.6 a carry. Truth be told, he's made he's some of those runs. It, probably 1.3 of the 2.6 or him after contact um, and adding – you know, turning a one-yard loss into a two-yard gain, turning a, a one-yard gain into a four-yard gain. I, I think he's running really well. The results don't show it, and, and I just don't know how you get this jump started. I think everybody assumed we'll just change running backs and, and get Hill out, put Mixon in. I don't know if, that, if, that, if it's that easy. No, and, and they've got to figure out a way to get, to get Mixon – the ball where he can make something happen because he's making things happen right now. But as you mentioned, it's it, you, I think you said it on Sunday night on our show. He he's he's doing what he can to make you know lemonade out of lemons right now. But if they can figure out a way where they can scheme something up where he's he's getting to that second level and then then and then can make a cut, then we're talking about how dangerous he can be. Um, maybe it is the offensive line. Maybe it is something that that this team needs to needs to figure out it's a credit it's a credit to you for bringing it up that in this win there are still some things that that need cleaned up you can look at this 31 to 7 win and say okay it's great for Andy Dalton he passed the ball really well but there are still problems that this team has I don't think anybody is is saying that there aren't but even in a, a strong offensive performance this running game really has has yet to get jump started and we go back to is it a is it just changing guys out is it is it a scheme thing what what do you think it is i think a lot of it unfortunately they're just they just get manhandled at the point of attack and they just aren't as good up front and i don't know you can argue look can can a boy he play better can jake fisher play better can can andre smith help that when he's in the game you, know, you watch some tape of, of Jake Fisher and Russell Bodine and, and even at times Abuehi, but really Fisher and Bodine, there's times they just get physically manhandled. A couple plays in the game Sunday um, where, where Bodine just got pushed back into Dalton's lap. There's another time where uh, Jake Fisher trying to block on the perimeter. Um, look like he was doing the cha-cha with a guy as they were trying to wrestle outside and he ends up mucking the play up. I, I, I You could argue, can they play better? You would hope, but but 
that, that's just, that's hope. That's not, I can't give you a quantifiable fact that, okay, when this guy comes back and you plug him in, things will be better. I think this week you will see Trey Hopkins back starting at right guard. Um, he did practice in full on Thursday after going limited Wednesday. Looks like he was back in the fold, and, and uh, that's a good sign, I Fisher guess. Fisher limited? Fisher uh, has a back issue, so we'll see. But really, I mean, he's been rotating as it is anyway, so at the very least, if he weren't the player play limited snaps, you've already you've already addressed that to some degree with, with Andre Smith. I know everybody's making a big deal of how successful this three-team tackle rotation is. I'll believe that when I see more productivity in the running game. It, it hasn't hurt, but I'm not sure it's been the answer either. How How... How effective can this team be? How good can this team be if these are the running numbers that, are, that we're going to see all year? I don't think it can be because I don't think you can also say, well, just drop back and throw it 40 times because then – and you can say, well, get it out of his hand quickly. That sounds easier said than done. The, the, the more you're doing quick stuff, what do you think teams are going to do defensively? They're going to just right. start walking up on you and forcing you to, to throw over the top and take your time to throw a, 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 a three-second drop out of the shotgun gun ball. Um you, you have to figure out something, and maybe it is getting John Ross back and, quite frankly, just playing some trickeration and running two reverses a game just to slow some things down. I do think the screen game can be a part to add to that um, a little bit and, and get Mixon in space, get Gio Bernard in space. That can maybe be your running game. I, I would say this. I don't think you can be stubborn enough to say, well, we'll just keep running it if it's not working. It's not working. You need to start throwing the football and, and, and hoping for the best that either Andy does continue to get it out of his hand quickly that um, that that maybe the pass blocking holds up a little bit better and a little bit longer than what you're going to get out of the run blocking. But you can't just keep running it 30 times for 86 yards or your running backs 26 times for 57. You're going to get bad down in distance situations. And it, it, you're not going to have you're not going to you're not going to have the luxury of the Browns bailing you out on third and 16. You're Absolutely. not going to have the luxury of of having the, this situation against. I mean, the Buffalo Bills are are playing really some good football so if you can't if you can't present any sort of balance offensively it's going to be it's going to be a tough day the 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 bills this year have 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 thrived off takeaways and protecting the football and they've had a lot of tip passes that have bounced their way and the, the, but the Bengals have had a lot of tip passes that have not bounced their way so if they can't figure out a way to to give their receivers some room by by way of of having an effective running game it's going to be a long game on Sunday, and it's going to be a long season. I don't think there's there's any question about that. What remains, I think, the question in in Bengals fans' minds, in my mind, is have we at least seen the distribution of carries for these running backs? Have we seen a, have we seen enough to know that this is what we're going to have the rest of the year? I think so. I think the only flip side to it is if you could effectively run block, maybe in the fourth quarter with a lead. Jeremy Hill gets gets running downhill and he becomes your finisher um, with a little mix and mixed into that. But no, I think I think you've seen now back to back weeks the distribution has been Joe Mixon's getting the overwhelming no- number of touches. Jeremy's going to get a handful and we, we're going to get Gio Bernard in space. In theory, really, Gio Bernard probably should get a couple of more touches per game with the rate of productivity. I mean, he's averaging four point nine a carry. Um, again, the sixty one yard reception is factored into this, but but uh, he's eight for one thirty four in the passing game. He's actually second on the team. In receiving yards, again, that's a little skewed because of the one pass play. But he's also had a, a couple others in, in, in some games where he's had a couple of decent receptions and made guys miss. I mean, the guy has touched the ball 26 times, and he has 223 yards from scrimmage. That's a pretty good percentage. It suggests maybe a couple more touches for that cat. I agree, and and you just you just go and you look at at a, the light that has turned on for Todd Gurley, and you think how much Andrew Whitworth has made a difference for him this no year. No doubt. 
And, and, and the improvement of the quarterback playing some things around, but no doubt, absolutely. Right, right. And, and you just you can't emphasize enough that the Bengals made this bed. They, they let those guys walk. And I think it's 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 a process for them. The the rotation. I, I don't know how you can look at that at, at that tackle rotation and say that's effective. You should not be doing that. No, I, I think it's it, it it's being done out of necessity just to let those guys. And I asked Paul Alexander this. I've not written the story on it yet, but I asked him this on on Wednesday. I said, "What do you want those guys to do when they come over and stand by yeah. you?" Um, and he didn't give me the greatest of answers, but I think it's more. Play a series, take a series off, and then and then see how things are developing. So maybe you can take what you, you use when you're out there. You see that, oh, okay, maybe this guy's doing this rush-wise. Maybe I need to do this run block-wise. Then put him back in because, let's face it, you got to use him. And that's the thing. I, I'll give him this. I, I think that's part of what they're trying to do is let him, let him have a series. Just let him watch for a series and see how things are developing, see how things are being done defensively, see how things are being run offensively maybe. Um because and then putting them back because you know you have to play them. I mean they yeah. you have three tackles and two of them are the kids that you're hoping that eventually will become the, the, the stalwarts. It's proving not to be the case to this point, but I I get it. I just don't. I think everybody's looking. They go, oh, it's working. It's you know it's not working because the numbers don't tell me they're working when the run game. It's well, just it's out of necessity that you're doing this just to give these guys a chance to watch for a little bit. Yeah, it's not it's not working because of the numbers, but also this system doesn't work. Who did Anthony Munoz rotate with when he was a tackle? I mean, he's a right. Hall of Fame tackle, but this isn't ideal. If they're doing this because they feel like it's helping these guys identify some things, then fine. But this should not be no, the you, situation. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's, so, there's no question. You you have to at least step back from that and say, okay, this is not the situation that it should be. But you have to deal with what is right yeah. now, which is those are your three tackles. I, I, we were talking about this today, some, some beat writers and but I. This isn't, this isn't a revolutionary thing. No, no, no. no. <laughs> this isn't what other teams are going to start doing. No, your, your next step in this process is looking and going, all right, this isn't working. Who, who's next? And, and it might be Trey Hopkins playing outside of tackle and putting T.J. Johnson back in there at guard. I mean, you're now at that. If this doesn't work moving forward or eventually you evolve into – all right, Jake's not getting it done. Andre's the right tackle. Seds the left tackle. Let's just roll with it. If it doesn't evolve into that, you, you, you're going to have to make even a more drastic change because it's the bed. You're right. It's the bed you've made. Now, I know fans can argue it. They're mad that they let Whitworth walk. If you thought you were going to win this year, I probably wouldn't have let him walk either. But, again, you you made these evaluations, and you're not the only team. It wasn't like Cedric Oboy, he came with a fifth-round grade, and they said, yeah. let's get him in the first round. It wasn't like Jake Fisher came with a fifth-round grade and said, let's get him in the they were identified by a lot of teams across the league as two potential starters by this point in their career. It just hasn't worked out. Now, you can argue that could be coaching. That could be, I think, I happen to think it's the state of the NFL where you're looking across the board in the league, and there are a lot of bad offensive lines because I think they're just That's having fine. a hard time evaluating linemen with the way college offenses are being run nowadays. With, without question, and Oregon and, and Texas A&M with, with Manziel were not, I mean, we, we saw what Manziel has done. No, that's a great point. I mean, I, I didn't even think of those. Those are two unorthodox offenses that yeah. set up way he came out of, that Jake Fisher came out of. Yeah, so uh, Marcus Mariota obviously has, has is more of a, a pro style, but but that offense, he was he was throwing, I mean, it's just, it's not, those aren't conducive offenses to, to the NFL, but everybody did like these. I remember when they were drafted, and Paul Alexander was down in the media room, and he couldn't stop smiling. He was so excited about bringing these guys in, and, and they've done everything they could possibly do. They've had Andrew Whitworth sort of shepherd them in. They had a guy like Eric Winston who who knows what it's like to be a, a pick that people are counting on. So they've, they've done their due diligence with these guys, but eventually – 
it, it falls at their feet. And this rotation for now is what they're doing, but it's it's not an ideal situation. No, it's out of complete necessity. And they've got to figure out a way. That this getting this back on track, getting a win, going against the Browns and getting it done is is a start. But this the, there is a long road for this team. And it, and it starts up front on the offensive line. Let's flip sides and talk about the defense for a minute. And, and um, it, it's been an interesting process this year to watch a lot of the rotations that have gone on. They, they've always liked to rotate up front, but you're seeing some different nickel linebacker rotations at times. You're seeing certainly rotations on the back end. And, and when we talk about the draft, the last two drafts defensively now, you're starting to look at Nick Vigil's developing into a nice player. Um, with, without question, William Jackson's getting more snaps at corner than Adam Jones is getting now. Um, Darquez Denard's starting to get a lot more snaps uh, defensively. He, he, hasn't, he wasn't in the last two drafts, but you know because of injuries, he hasn't played a whole lot. Clayton Fedulum came up with his first career interception. You're watching Carl Lawson in the pass rush. You're watching Jordan Willis. I thought made a great play on a bootleg on Sunday where he stayed at home as opposed to getting caught up field. They had six guys in the last two drafts that played 20 snaps or more defensively on Sunday, Ryan Glasgow being another one of them. Um, I, I think you're seeing this is, this is a coach in Marvin Lewis. Now, Paul Gunther's a little different, but Marvin Lewis – he likes his veterans, and yet they're playing a lot of the young guys, and it's working out. They're doing a nice job, I think, mixing and matching. Look, I can, I can, I know people can laugh. Well, it was Joe Flacco, and he can't throw one five yards, and it was a rookie quarterback, Deshaun Watson, and Aaron Rodgers was was working behind a, a depleted offensive line, and my God, Cleveland's awful, no doubt. Not gonna, not I can't discount any of those those things. But really, for the most part, I think what they're doing defensively, especially with these rotations and getting these guys snaps. And getting productive snaps is really a good sign for now and for the future. Well, Watson, when he left Cincinnati, I mean, he went to New England and almost won, and then he, he blistered the Titans. Yeah, all they did was put up, what, 87 <laughs> points in the last two games. And, they, yeah. again, they were hurting when they came here and, right. and whatnot. But, well, yeah, still, that's, a, that's still a good hurting. point. That's a good point, though. They're still hurting, but Watson has shown that, that he, he may be the real deal. So I don't know if you can look back at that and say, oh, you know, I think bottling him up when they did was, was something that other teams haven't been able to do. The, the light has gone on and for, for a lot of these guys. And Marvin, this is, you know, this is what this, the plan that's working right now on defense was also the plan on offense to fold some of these new guys sure. in. It's right. not working offensively and it's, it's really working in spades defensively. I, I Vontez Burfecht being out for the first few games is, is one thing. I get that. But Nick Vigil leading this team in tackles is, is something that, even if you would have told me that Burfecht wouldn't have played, I wouldn't have believed that Vigil was going to lead this team in tackles. Well, and it's interesting because Nick Vigil's actually played more defensive snaps than anybody, 99.6% of the snaps, which means he's been on the field almost the entirety. They've rotated yeah. a lot of other, other guys. And it's not because they personally like Nick Vigil. He is a guy that's shown he can play in base, he can play in nickel, and now as opposed to having Carlos Dansby and Vontez Burfecht being your nickel backers, or at times when Burfecht was hurting or whatever, being Vinny Ray, and I like Vinny, but he's a great utility guy, having Vinny Ray and Carlos Dansby, you have two really athletic nickel linebackers in there, or going to that five-man rush and even taking Burfecht off the field and, and adding an extra lineman, and Nick Vigil becomes the one linebacker. His athleticism and the fact that the light bulb has gone off, it's one thing to go, they, they knew he was an athlete, but the, the few snaps he got last year defensively, he's even talked about it and talked to him about it the other day. You know, it was almost, all right, I got to go from point A 
take the step to point B, and, well, oh, gosh, that guy's by me now. Now it's he's he's making reads, and, and because he's getting all these snaps, he sees plays quickly. The game he had Sunday, a sack, two other tackles for loss. He's got an interception earlier this year. Let him in tackles on Sunday with, with 11 and then a special teams tackle for 12. Um, he's just giving them an extra athlete to where you look at that athleticism, you put the front four, perfect in him at the nickels, and, and what you got in the secondary, that becomes a very good nickel defense. Yeah, and it's, and it's really – I don't have to tell you this. It's a butterfly effect. If you can trust him in different situations, that means you can play around with some other pieces and, and, and do some other things. I mean, how, many, how many times last year did we see Carlos Dansby? He just got him. He's 35 years old trying to play linebacker. He wasn't as athletic as he was five, six, seven years ago. He knew schemes. He, that's why he was playing. He was a veteran who knew what to do, and Vigil didn't. Um, but now it's a vigil who knows what to do with, with youth on his side. It's a big difference. And they've attempted, with whether it be Dansby or A.J. Hawk over the years, they've attempted to bring in a guy and say, hey, we, we don't trust any of these younger guys. We need That's kind right. of a stopgap until one of these guys comes along. And lo and behold, Nick Vigil. Nick Vigil has answered the bell. We talk about how the offensive guys have not, through, through four games, he has answered the bell. A sack is his first career sack. He's had his first career interception in the first four weeks of this season. Not to mention what he does in base defense, the things that the things that he allows other people to do. It's all connected, and I don't think if you're a Bengals fan, I don't think you could ask for anything more out of out of Nick Vigil. Right yeah, now. No, no doubt about it. All right, let's move ahead to uh, to Sunday's game where the Bengals do take on the Bills. You, you mentioned they are three and one. Um, they are plus six in turnovers. They've committed just one turnover. Actually, they have not committed one in the last three games. They are plus six in turnover margin, and sometimes I'm wary of that because, as you mentioned, some of that comes off of tip balls and a little bit of luck. Not all, because if you look at some of their other numbers defensively, they're still very good, um, allowing 3.9 yards per rush, allowing less than 10 yards per pass completion, um, and allowing a little over 300 yards. And scoring-wise on the season, it is the number one ranked scoring defense in the NFL, allowing 13.5 a game. There are some positives there, but if you really crunch the numbers, that's not a 3-1 football team. I mean, they went to Atlanta and won. Uh, and, again, they got a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Uh, oh, so we don't count those no, anymore? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just trying to – sometimes you look at numbers and you go, oh, yeah. wow, three and one. But I'm looking at a team that has been out first down by 12, that is being outgained on the year by 20 yards, is averaging only 284 yards a game. In fact, in the last three games, is only averaging 209 yards a game. Um, there, there are some things, though, that when you look at the numbers, it is it is not a great football team. Defensively, they've they've made plays, and, I'll, and they they've been very good on the back end. Um, Kyle Williams is a monster. Um, Whitney, Whitney Murphy, I mean, they, they've got some guys that 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 that, are, that can play. I'm just I'm not fully convinced that this is a this is a playoff caliber team. No, I, I think I, you know. I think you get as as your works deserve. I think they've they they've figured out ways to win. You, you know, some of these stats may be fool's gold. We'll we'll find out. I think this team, after the game, well, Sean McCoy was in that locker room saying nobody. They, they they've taken on this nobody believes in us sort of mentality and. Uh, well, Sean, I'm one of them. I don't believe in you. <laughs> these uh, these rookie Sean head coaches, one on offense, one on defense, is, are they're really getting their team. Sean McVay and uh, with the Rams and, and Sean McDermott here for for the Bills. He came from Carolina and and you know shepherded some some good defenses there. So we'll we'll see how this season plays out. But I will say I think a lot of people sat up and take and took notice. I don't care, you know, it doesn't matter to me, and, and I know Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu got hurt for Atlanta, but 
going down there and getting a win, whether you do it by not allowing them to get first downs and you uh, get more first no, downs the, the, or you get turnovers or whatever, going down there and getting a win is, is impressive. And to backtrack a little bit, um, they had a couple of shots in the end zone against Carolina in week two that, that uh, they were down 9-3. A touchdown would have given, given them a win there. They do have a home win over the Broncos. I'm just – I'm crunching more numbers than just the three and one. And I know that sounds silly because that's the only number, and it is the only number that matters, but eventually it catches up to you. You're not going to be plus six in four-game windows. You're not going to wind up this season, I don't believe, plus 24, whatever that extrapolates itself to in, in turnover margin. It just isn't going to happen. You have to make some things happen. They haven't run the ball great, and it's a team that no. dot, lives and dies running. They're averaging 3.4 yards per. And their top wide receiver after four games, was Jordan Matthews with 10 catches. McCoy had 21, Clay had 18. That's a running back and a tight end. Top wide receiver had 10 catches. He's out with a thumb injury. They don't have playmakers at wide receiver either, so they, I think the Bengals catch them actually at a really good time. I, I, I know it sounds silly, but they're 3-1 and one and all, but I think they catch them at a really good time. I think, what, I think basically what we're saying is the Bills and the Bengals both have things to figure out. The difference is the Bills have figured out a way to be three and one. That's and right. The, and the Bengals are are, are one. And you're and right. Three. And the Bengals could very easily be three and one as well. You know, Bullock makes a field goal in, in the in the Green Bay game. Just right. the, the other field goal salts that away. Right. You know, you you really blow a golden opportunity against the, against the Texans, even though you still had a chance right. at the very end to drive and, and score and win that game. You're right. Yeah. Bengals haven't figured out a way to be three and one, and Buffalo, to their credit, has. But I'm looking long-term at numbers, though. Right, and I think they knew that they were going to struggle offensively. They they made that trade for Jordan Matthews right before the season started. They traded Ronald Darby, and a lot of people looked at that and said, Darby's one of the better cornerbacks in the leagues. What are you doing? Think, think about that. They let Stephon Gilmore walk to free agency, traded Ronald Darby, and they've been absurdly good on the back end of this point. Yeah, so maybe McDermott said, I know what I'm doing back here. Let's get some help. Other places now, you know, Matthews gets hurt, and I, Zay Jones was a second-round pick, a wide receiver that they thought was going to, you know, the the Bills and the Bengals drafted a wide receiver early thinking they would make an impact, and, you know, John Ross and Zay Jones for their respective well, teams have not done much. Zay Jones does have four catches, though. Four more than John Ross has. <laughs> That's true. He had a big drop in the uh, yes, Carolina game yes, that, would, that would have made this team 4-0. Um, so you mentioned the turnovers that that they are going to come back down to earth, and when they do, can they figure out a way to to make this offense go? Shady McCoy is a fantastic player. They've got Mike Tolbert running in in short yardage situations. He's been a fantasy football vulture for a lot of people because of his time in in Carolina, and now he's he's in Buffalo. And obviously, Tyrod Taylor in the running game right. as much as the passing game. I mean, this is talking about a guy's averaging almost eight rushes per game. You know, and it's crazy to think, too, that Tyrod Taylor has not been in the league for a, a ton of time, but he's already, this will be his fifth game against the Bengals, and he's 3-1 and one all time against Cincinnati. He doesn't have any passing touchdowns, but, it, but he does have a rushing touchdown. So this is another quarterback that can who you know has sort of proven that he can do it with his with his feet and and his arm. He, he's not completing. I, I think his completion percentage leaves a little to be desired here. But again, he's thrown to a bunch of a bunch of no names. Has a rating of one hundred point seven. I mean, if you look at just the rating por- portion right. of it, that's a pretty good rating. I, I, I'm not sure. I I think he's a great passer either. Um, and they don't have him pass much. He's only thrown it ninety nine times on the year, which for an NFL team, that's less than twenty five per game. That's not a very high number. Um, but he's been efficient, I, and I guess that's all. That, especially without having main guys on the outside, he's been pretty efficient. He, he's one of those guys where you look at and you say, "Oh, he's not really good." And then you look at what he, you look at right. some of the numbers and you say, "Okay, well, he's been pretty effective." They almost let him walk this offseason. Yeah, no, right. They were, came very close. Very, very close to letting him walk, and 
as as much as the Bills have struggled to get back to that era in the '90s when they were good, they kind of look at at, at Tyrod and say, "Geez, I, I just don't know. He's a middle of the road kind of guy." But you know, again, all of these things we're talking about with Buffalo, if if the other shoe comes crashing down, it, it'll come crashing. But right now, Tyrod Taylor has his team at three and one, and his numbers say he's he's playing pretty well. One other guy they got as a weapon um, is the kicker, Steven Hauschka, who's just been absurd. He's 8 of 9 on field goals, but that doesn't tell the whole story. Here's the makes. 45, 49, 55, 53, 56, 55, and 230 yards. That, that, that gives you an extra weapon that you get across midfield, you're close to being in the scoring zone with this guy right now. Hauschka was with Seattle. I'm surprised that, that they, they struggled, and they brought in Blair Walsh, who had one of the more egregious missed field goals in recent <laughs> memory when he, was with, uh, when he was with the Vikings to lose that playoff game. Um, it's, it's crazy. It's, it, it just goes to show you that nobody knows what they're talking about when, they come to kicker, when it comes to kickers, that, that a guy can get cast off. And, I mean, those, those field goals that he's making, I mean, that, that's absurd. And to think that he's on his second team now – you know, maybe a, a light clicked on for him or something, but kickers are, are a weird, weird beast, and he's he's been a weapon for them. I mean, that that's really Tucker for, for Baltimore. Yeah, no question, no question. Um, all right, so the Bengals 1-3. and three, they, they finally got off the schneid to, to, to beat Cleveland and kind of keeps the season alive from a heartbeat perspective. This becomes a huge game heading into the bye to get to 2-3 and three with a win. Um, Pittsburgh plays Jacksonville this week, but does play Kansas City before the Bengals go to Pittsburgh first week after the bye. This becomes a huge game. You get to two and three, and somehow Pittsburgh's four and two. As you go to Pittsburgh, you actually have a chance to maybe get them tied in the loss column. There's still a lot of football left to be played. You lose this game, all you can then hang your hat on is, yeah, you beat Cleveland. Um, this becomes obviously very pivotal for so many reasons, and I hate to do the every week's a big game circumstance, but this really is, again, because one and four, you're on life support, and plus the win over Cleveland's all you got to hang on it. Chances are if you lose, there's a reason why you would lose this game. It's because you still had the woes we talked about offensive line-wise, um, and that's not going to get fixed. So there's a lot riding on, on this game. They're 0-2 at home. Do they get to 1-2 to and two with a win? Uh, you don't sound very convinced. I, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the talking through it with you, it, it does make me think that these are two teams that are very similar despite the, the records being yeah, I'm gonna the exact give you, opposite. Yeah, I'm going to give you a number, and I just started looking at it um, for, for one of my five things that will go up on Saturday on Local12.com, five things to watch and observe. It's, you talk about the difference in these two teams. Buffalo's outscored teams in the fourth quarter 25-10. to 10. Bengals have been outscored in the fourth quarter 20-3. to 3. One team finishes, one team doesn't, one team's three and one, one team's one and three. Big difference. Yeah. So, you know, can can the Bengals flip the script on that? Can they be the team that, that finishes down the stretch? They they had a great first half against against Green Bay. Now I do think if you if you go out and you put up the first half that you did against Green Bay, Buffalo's not a team capable of coming correct. back yeah, in correct. that game. So if they get out to that kind of start, it really I don't think will matter how much they finish because Buffalo isn't capable, I don't think Tyrod Taylor is necessarily capable of making that type of comeback. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see. This is before we before we get to prediction. This is a homecoming for three guys on the Bills, three local guys. Adolphus Washington at Taft, Preston Brown at, at Northwest. Leave, leave your gut at home. Jeez. And, 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 oh, and Eric Wood, who looks a lot like Thurman Merman from Bad Santa, the, uh, the center who played at Elder. So those guys will be coming home. And it's not really a homecoming, but he played here for a period of time. The great kick returner Brandon Tate is oh, back. Oh, <laughs> he's had that one circled on his calendar. I'll that's, bet he has. That's a real revenge game for him. 
I I, I want to say I want to say the Bengals figure out a way to get this done. I think I think I think it's just a question of does the clock strike midnight on some of these on some of these numbers? Do, do, does the turn for Buffalo? Yeah, does the football turn into a pumpkin for them to this game or or, or where is it going to be or when is it going to be? There have been several times I, I think maybe I don't know seven or eight years ago where the Bills came in and they were just I think it may have been Marcel Darius's rookie year. And they were like, "This is it. This is the year we're gonna." And and the Bengals said, "No, this is this isn't your year." So they've they've had seasons like this before right. in the past with different quarterbacks, with different offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, where they thought, "Okay, we're back." You know, Jim Kelly's there on the field, thinking we're gonna go back to the glory days, and it hasn't happened a lot because they've they've had some of these margins that are that are very difficult to keep up. I'll, I'll say that the Bengals. I'll say the Bengals figure out a way to get this done. I, I just think. I think they're going to figure out a way. I think they're going to have some good, some good vibes going into, going into the bye week. But yeah, I, I just, I, I, I struggle with the final score. Maybe, maybe seventeen four. I'm going to say seventeen fourteen. Bengals win. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just not a big believer in this Bills offense. The numbers show me that again they've won with smoke and mirrors, and again all that matters is winning. But right. eventually it catches up. This Bengals defense, I don't have as many question marks about as we certainly do about the offense. The defense has been very good, number three in the NFL in scoring defense, number three in yards allowed. They're playing an offense that, that will enter rank 29th in yards gained in the NFL. I, I like that Bengals advantage being at home. I think Stephen Hauschka kicks three more 50-plus yard field goals, and that's all they get. I'll go Bengals 19 to nine. And there, there's a reason why they're, you know, there's a reason why they're favored. There's a reason why the Bengals are favored in this game. I mean, you, everything you're saying, everything. Everything everybody's seen, you, you would think, oh wow, you know the Bills. The Bills go to Atlanta. They they beat the Falcons. They should be, they should be pretty high on the hog. They're leading the AFC East. But this this team, this team has cracks in the armor. Will the Bengals be able to expose it, or will the Bengals cracks rule the day? No, I, I think offensively the Bengals will still have some struggles. But I'm just a big believer in what the defense has done, and I think it, it will continue because it's been a really really good defense. All right, now time for our three team teaser of the week. We have been so bad at this. <laughs> Um, it's back to you going first. So I guess I guess if if people would have said, oh, I like two of what Richard said, but not that last one. Maybe I'll take one from. So Jed. maybe we can still help them out. Yeah. So we're so you can make giving you mix three. Match. Okay. We've given you three. The problem is they haven't been winners since. But what we're doing is, is we're using seven point teasers. Depending on if you were online somewhere, maybe doing something, or if you're heading out to Vegas to maybe make a play somehow, some way, or maybe you got Louie on the corner, you can call. Some of them can give you six, six and a half, some places seven. I know some places even seven and a half, depending on it, but obviously the odds change. But we're, we're just sticking with a flat seven-point teaser. Uh, three teams is, is, is how we're going to do it. So your three teams for this week. Three teams for this week. Um, I, 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 don't know how, I don't know how Cleveland – it really is anywhere close to a one-point line. They started as the favorite against the New York Jets, and that line has moved. Right. But I'm going to take Jets plus six Ooh. at Cleveland. I'm staying away from that game entirely. I can't trust either one. I, I, I'll give I the just, Jets credit. I would have never thought they they could win two games this entire year, and they have a chance to go above 500, a legitimate chance to all of a sudden be three and two with that horse garbage talent they have. Probably should stay away from from that game, but I just I after seeing Cleveland, I just don't see how they I, I don't see how they get a win this year. I, I really don't. Sashi Brown said this week that uh, the uh, the Browns rebuild is not over. Well I of certainly course not. I yeah, certainly you hope, hope not. not. Yeah if it, if it is you're never gonna win a game in the league again, Chief. I certainly hope not. 
Um, my second one, I'm going to take. Um, I'm going to take Philly at home. This is one of those that bit you last week, where the team just has. Yeah, to but, win. but but I yeah, but but I, I like I, I I like them. I'm not playing them in mind, but I I like that one. I'm going to give you that one. Philly at home against Arizona. Arizona's got to make the trip out to the East Coast. I and I'm, they just had a hard time protecting quarterbacks. They're they just they got Carson Palmer killed to this point. Yeah, I mean it. It was a real race to the bottom against against the 49ers in that game that week, and then. Um, I think this is a Sunday night game. I'm going to take Green Bay plus nine at. Dallas. I like I like that one a lot. I almost played the same one. I I, I honestly think Green Bay has a, has a more than legitimate chance to win outright. Um, oh, offensive line issues aside, all right. that starting to get a few more guys healthy. And Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers, and quite frankly, I'm not so sure I, I'm a big believer in that Dallas defense at all. Well, worst case scenario is a, is maybe a backdoor cover. I just I can't. I mean, is Dallas going to score forty? Uh, correct. No. Yeah, <laughs> I no. mean, they, they're going to have to score a ton of points to beat Green Bay uh, at plus nine. This is also the second consecutive week that Dallas has played the team that the week before had the Thursday night game. So the Packers have had 10 days off coming into this game. So that 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 seemed to work out well for the Rams against against Dallas. So those are my three. Green Bay plus nine at Dallas. Jets plus six at Cleveland. And then Philly getting a half point at home against Arizona. All right, I'm going to start mine with, with the Bengals. I'm going to tease them up to getting four. They're three on the line I looked at. I think they opened up at two and a half maybe, but the line I looked at was three. So I'm going to tease them up to four. Even if they lose, I think it's a last-second field goal, something along those lines. So I feel safe in, in getting the four points in that game. Uh, the, the team that's been really Jekyll and Hyde is, is the Carolina Panthers. Um, but Detroit, I think, has been – if you're looking at a team in the NFC and go, right, who's the best team in the NFC? It's hard to pinpoint right now. It really is. I, I like Seattle still if push came to shove, but it's, their offensive line issues are big. Green Bay defensively and still with that offensive line, I might do them, but I'm not quite there. The Rams are in the discussion. Rams that's, are in the discussion. That's how, um, that's how messed up it is. The team that's probably been the most well-rounded is a yard away and maybe even an official's call away from being 4-0 is the Detroit Lions. I think they've been really good defensively. They haven't had to rely completely on Matthew Stafford bringing them back in games, which is probably to the dismay of a lot of Matthew Stafford fantasy owners because he hasn't gotten a lot of those fourth quarter, second half, backdoor garbage yards that he's really good at. So I'm going to take the, the, the Lions and tease them up to getting 4.5 at home against Carolina. Can Carolina win? Yeah, maybe. Um, back-to-back road games for them, I just I don't see it. I'm, I'm going to go with, with the Detroit getting the four and a half. And then Pittsburgh's at home to Jacksonville, which has also been very Jekyll and Hyde. I'm going to do what I always suggest don't do. I'm teasing them down, but I'm teasing them from eight down to one. Um, if Pittsburgh loses, then suddenly you, you the Bengals do get themselves right back in the AFC North race very quickly. I don't see that taking place despite the Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown marriage issues. Um, they've had those before. They're good enough to beat Jacksonville. Blake Bortles going on the road when he doesn't when he doesn't need his passport is never good. When he plays in London, he's good. But that's where they Bortles, move him. Bortles on the road is is uh, that's a real roll of the dice when when you're thinking there. I like I I don't know what it's worth, but I'll say that I like your three. All games. right, we'll see. Yeah, so far, yeah, we're zero and two in the, in the two weeks we've done this. So hopefully, we can get you a win for this week. Anything else, Jed? Well, I think we're good. Uh, Bengals Nation next week. Marvin Lewis will join us down at Moreline Lager House, which, which he does usually on the bye week. So, that, yep, yep. We're looking. We're actually uh, still in the mix to get a very, very special guest for uh, the other uh, participant, the other guest. So. Uh, We'll have uh, information on that as it as it unfolds. As it unfolds. So, but um, yeah, hopefully you'll join us down there at the Moreline Lager House. We've had a, a good year so far. A lot of a lot of the Bengals players are really really good in that format and kind of letting their hair yep. down and, and 
given uh, given the fans a peek behind the curtain of their personal lives. So that's I, did, I, I know you had Kevin Huber on, and in a former place I was employed, we, we did a show as well, and um, he came down at Christmas time and was good enough to wear an ugly Christmas sweater for us. So, <laughs> yeah. So right, unfortunately, you had him great. a little early, but yeah, he's he's all. Kevin was a great guest as well. Yeah. All right, and I'll join you on Sunday night with Doug Pelfrey, I believe, on the uh, Sports Authority as we break down the Bengals and Bills. So we will see you then. Thanks for being with us on today's Skinny Podcast, the Bengals edition.